This week on Low Earth Orbit, we give out the 2014 Orbeez. Welcome to Low Earth Orbit, episode 27. I'm Justin Voss. I'm Scott Stevenson. I'm Steve Harmon. And this is the 2014 Orbeez Award Show. So this is the episode where we're going to look back on uh, everything that we reviewed in 2013, and we're going to pick our best movie and runner-up, best game and runner-up, and then we'll pick our best wild card, which is going to be something that we watched, read, played in 2013, but didn't get a chance to review on the show, and we'll take a follow-up for that too. So I think we're going to start with movies, and we'll just go around, and uh, what was everybody's runner-up movie? Steve? My runner-up movie was one we just reviewed. Uh, her, uh, best by George. And why her? And why her? It's <laughs> a deep question. <laughs> I felt like it was the only sort of good science fiction, like really good science fiction movie I'd seen in a long time. You know, as we talked about in the previous show, like it's one that, so let me, I mean, I keep thinking about it for a long time. So cool. Scott? Uh, same for me, her also. And it, it's, I think for me, the reason it's slightly different, which is that it's the one that I think I'm going to go back to and think about the most. In the future and kind of reference the thing Justin mentioned, you know, in the last episode, which is there was it provoked thoughts and it's something that's going to kind of stay with me. Well, for me, actually, I'm having a hard time choosing between her and Saving Mr. Banks. I thought they were both really good. They're kind of tied for me because I think, you know, I had a reaction to both of those in a way that I, I didn't to a lot of other movies that we reviewed, but I just would have a really hard time telling you which one I had more of. So I think it's, it's a tie for me. Do you have the superposition? <laughs> yes. It can be both states at once. There's a quantum review. It's going gonna, it's gonna to bother Steve's <laughs> symmetry. If you had to choose one, if somebody put a gun to your head, just for the, for the permanent record. Uh, well, I have to choose her since you guys chose her. Okay. All right. <laughs> so that way we can at least all be on the same page. Okay. So okay. I'll say her. Okay. So that's our runner-up. So then what was best movie of the year, Steve? Uh, that we reviewed. Best movie that we reviewed, I thought, was Saving Mr. Banks. It was funny. It was. It had a really moving story. Amazing performances, and it sort of tied back to one of my favorite movies from my childhood, which was Mary Poppins. So it kind of hit the right notes across the board. Scott, more of the same. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's the same same choice for me. Yeah, for sure. I, it was Mr. Banks was. It totally took me by surprise, and the the emotions that I felt and the experience I had watching the movie. It was everything I want when I go to see a movie. You know, and so often don't get. And all the, all the funny moments, all the, the heart-wrenching moments, all the happy moments and really uplifting moments. And I think part of the reason it, it jumps above her for me, because they both kind of you know stuck with me, is that I ended up leaving with a much more positive experience. All right, I guess I'm going to be the different one here. I actually think that Gravity might have been the best movie that we reviewed all together. I know that we had our qualms with it, especially Steve, when it came to like scientific accuracy. <laughs> but like I don't know, I just think that it was... I guess I was kind of surprised at like how much I really, really liked it. And I just thought it was really thrilling. You know, it's not as like emotional in the same way that like Save Mr. Banks and her was, but I've just had a really good time with the movies going to see Gravity. So I'm going to choose Gravity as my number one. Very appropriate. For that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I was sort of worried that no one would pick it. You know, it's like, yeah, Gra- like- Gravity. I mean, the, the thing I remember my review with Gravity was that it I recognized it as being a really great movie. It just, for me, it didn't land personally, mm-hmm. you know, so I didn't, I didn't take away something that attached to me. I don't think it landed with anybody personally. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. So I think, I think people felt the, they attached to the spaceness of it, mm-hmm. you know, the, the sort of the setting and everything. And I didn't, I didn't, it was one of those things where I was like seeing it from a distance. I was like, that, that's really awesome. It's not my movie, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. that's the difference. But I, I respect that choice. I certainly expected to be <laughs> have listening gravity, you know, in this in this episode mm-hmm. before I watched gravity. Oh, <laughs> maybe that's part of my problem. You know, expectations were too high. Maybe. Yeah, it's you know, it's funny looking at some of the other options that the, some of the dark horse choices for me. You know, I really like. I shouldn't say even dark choice, dark horse choice, but indie game the movie I really liked. You know, I really liked it, too. And it wasn't it wasn't a 2013 movie, but I think that would have been right up there with those other ones. There, there were elements of spectacular now I really liked. The Way Way Back was great. Way Way yeah. Back was I great. Think that, yeah, that, 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 that like one was. Yeah, had we not watched her, that was that was you know yesterday. That was gonna be my follow up. Yeah, <laughs> that actually, yeah <laughs> that, my runner up. I could probably nice. say the same thing. Yeah, I mean, the, the, for my personal taste, I think I tend to weight the. It's a little bit harder for me to just kind of say a comedy is my favorite movie of the year because it just mm. I just won't think about it as much long term. Even though I may really enjoy it in the moment, it's not something that I'll sort of 
make me think about it in different contexts later. Sure. I, I love that movie, though. I mean, I think we, we all loved it. Yeah. It had some Sam Rockwell in it. Yeah, we yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's already going to be great. Yeah. Yeah, we had, I mean, I was just looking through the rest of these. Ender's Game, we all kind of liked. And Mr. Watterson, mm, no. sort of like okay on. Yeah. Frozen, we all sort of liked. Probably more than Watterson. And American Hustle, we all sort of liked. A lot of good movies, but there was only a few kind of great movies. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Okay, All well, right. that's movies then. All right, so let's move on to games. So what were our runner-up games, Scott? Runner-up game was, again, something that I wasn't expecting to like when we first started looking at it. Uh, game Dev Tycoon. Loved it. Yeah. Totally loved it. It's one of these things where even see, seeing screenshots and, and reading about it and everything like that, I kind of remember thinking then, and I still feel now, it's like, this doesn't seem like something that, that should be fun, right? It's Why would you play a game about writing software? And even when you see the screenshots, it seems like it wouldn't be a ton of fun, but it's a ton of fun. And it's really, it's a brilliant game. I really liked it. Cool. Steve, what was your runner-up? My runner-up was Republic of Times. Nice. It was a game I didn't expect a lot. I just was you know, charmed by the quirkiness and the, you know, our endearing dystopian future created by it. <laughs> I've never heard that <laughs> combination of words. <laughs> that is now your heartfelt body. <laughs> endearing dystopian future. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can I live with that. Um, and then the ending of uh, the ending of the game is just is the best ending of any game ever. So uh, you know, it, I can't recommend it enough. So I, well, I recommend one movie, one or one game more, which is why it's not my winner. But it's really great. Cool. My runner-up is Device Six. I really liked Device Six. I liked that it, you know, was very unconventional, you know, as far as games go, and I just it was really well done. I liked the atmosphere. I liked, you know, just the concept, and it was really, it was really good, but not as good as my number one pick, obviously. But I really enjoyed Device Six. All right, so number one picks, Scott. So this will be a controversial choice, <laughs> but I. Had to do some soul searching, kind of go back through and everything that we we did. And despite the complaints, I think I, both in terms of time and enjoyment and just heated discussion and everything like that, SimCity is my, my favorite. Not the controversial choice I thought you Oh, okay, think. okay. <laughs> so, I mean, the, the thing, even even taking into account that everything, you know, Steve said in, in one of the episodes a few back where he actually did the multi-city thing and, and all the issues we've talked about with the sort of restricted size things, I acknowledge those problems, but still just... I spent so much time that I had so much fun with the game this year. And I guess in a way I kind of think of it like, well, what if we didn't, you know, if you just take the game as in isolation and you don't think about, you know, it being SimCity, if we just ran across this game, I think we, you know, didn't have the expectations. I think we would have really loved it. But no matter what, you know, I, I still have gone back to that multiple times and played a lot of it and I enjoy it every time. So awesome. Steve, your number one pick. Well, certainly if I had to give an award for the game I spent the most hours playing in Sin City, because uh, I have gone back many times and played it, but uh, the faults are just too much for me to really bestow the, my sort of winning choice for that one. Uh, so my my favorite game was Device 6. I, you know, I thought it was quirky and charming and completely unexpected and really, really satisfying and fun. And, um, you know, I didn't really have any idea what I was getting into. Mm-hmm. You know, like by the end, I think I recommend it to everybody that I've run across. So, by six. Awesome. Well, I think neither of you will be surprised to hear that my number one <laughs> pick has got to be Kerbal Space Program. If only for the sheer number of hours that I put into the game. Yeah. But since we did the review, you know, I've gone back and I've played a lot of it. And it's just, it is too much fun. It like, <laughs> it tickles the right nerd parts of my brain to like, you know, build these spaceships and fly them to other planets and moons and stuff. And get all my science points and all kinds of stuff. So, I, I've been really, really enjoying Herbal Space Program. So of the games that we've reviewed, that's my number one pick. Yeah. I I I, I really liked Kerbal. You know, I, I it's hard for me to revisit it because I know I have to kind of, it, it's like heading out into the cold. You know, you kind of have to brace yourself for like the abrasiveness of everything and it, it kind of to like psych myself up to go back to it. And maybe I should go back now that there's like the career mode and everything. But Yeah, the career mode is like way different. Yeah. And, and it actually adds like, it has a new element because you have to work your way up to getting a lot of the parts, mm-hmm. you know? And so you have to it forces you to have more of a progression in like the missions that you do. And so having just a little bit more structure actually makes it a lot more fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and I think it might solve one of my biggest complaints, which is that when you're in sandbox mode, you're assaulted with options mm-hmm. for building the rocket. And I was, you played the demo originally and I didn't. Yeah. So when we reviewed that, I was like, I don't know how to choose anything. <laughs> just, the demo also assaulted you with options, but yeah. yeah. 
No. Uh, and device six, like a, that's, I guess in a way that's sort of like gravity for me, which is like, I recognize that it's, it's a really well done game. A lot of other people said, you know, it's in their top lists. And I, I think it's a great artistic vision. I really, you know, admire that. But for me, it just wasn't, the mechanic wasn't fun. The game mechanic wasn't fun. The ideas behind it were cool, you know, but I just, I didn't ever want to go back and play that, you know, so. I think I feel the way about Gone Home that you feel about Device 6, which is that I respect that it exists, but I really don't want to play yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> well, and it's interesting. I think in both cases, that was possibly a missed expectations thing, mm, right? Because yeah. the thing I talked about in the Device 6 review was I was expecting more spy stuff. Yeah. And instead it was just, and I didn't even say this in the review, but I've thought about it since, which is that for, for all the things that you guys have talked about were, you know, the, oh, they're using this mechanic again, or it's this trope, or, you know, try to hear that. I feel like the waking up and not knowing who you are thing is mm-hmm. so overdone that that, that just didn't kind of, you kind of lost me at that point, you know, and it didn't, it didn't ever pick back up. So, but, but, you know, I, I get it. Gone Home. Gone Home for me would be kind of like my third I think choice. for me too. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I mean, SimCity belongs in there somewhere, probably just given the show number of hours, but I just so disappointed in so many elements of it. I, I just can't bring myself to do it. But yeah, Gone Home is probably like my, my third choice. I think I, I think that would have been there too. Yeah. And I, I think, I think partially for me is because I, I, I don't think any of us knew what the game was going to be when we got in there, mm. but I was still totally okay with what it ended up being. And, you know, Justin famously was not okay with it, but Steve and I were okay with it. I mean, literally, it was we we completely traded on you know Device Six and, and Gone Home. Oh, yeah, I think I think we had polar opposite re- reactions in both cases. And Gone Home was just, I, I think, more than anything else. And in a way, I also I think this is true about Device Six, but I, I enjoyed the experience of playing Gone Home more. In both cases, it's just cool that it exists. You know, it's yeah. like it's the fact that somebody thought, yeah, what would it be like playing a game walking through a book? You know, in Device Six, that's really awesome that somebody get, did that. It'd also be really hard to get that sort of funded from like an EA or something. So the fact that somebody could just go do it, I think the fact that we're at that place right now is really cool. And I feel the same way about Gone Home. You know, there's four people that work at that company. And we actually talked to them on Twitter kind of about some of Steve's concerns. Um, In fact, they're accessible, actually. It was pretty cool, too. Yeah, that was really cool. But, I mean, in both cases, it's like even though you personally weren't interested in what Gone Home was, I just think it's cool that it's out there. So for the people that Hmm. really resonates with that it's available. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, like, like we talked about in the review, like, I think it's, it's cool that people are experimenting with the medium. And it's cool that like, you know, like you said, we've reached the point where the tools are good enough or cheap enough or, you know, people, we just reached that level where you have like the indie bands, basically, of video game development. That's really cool. We're gonna see some really, really neat stuff. So I'm glad that people are experimenting. I feel like this was a dud experiment, but obviously not everybody feels that way. So cool. All right. Well, so I mean, the other ones were reviewed. So all the political games. Sickness. Well, so the political games. So in addition to the one Steve mentioned, mm-hmm. Republic of Times, we also did Black Bar and we did Papers Please, which you bought the full version of. And I, think, I have, but I haven't played it yet. But I think we all we all like that, yeah. right? It was yeah. it was it was good. I think we all liked all of those, you know, to some degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, Game Dev Tycoon, yeah. Device Six, Codename Cygnus, which we were all kind of lukewarm on. Yeah. The Future Pack, which I think we liked as much as we liked SimCity, basically, right? I mean, is it fair to say? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. We, we, we talked about, like, the Thanksgiving racing games, which was pretty entertaining. <laughs> games based in San Francisco. That was such a weird thing, because we just, we realized that we needed some sort of little segment in there, and I just happened to have the recording in between when we were talking about racing games based in San Francisco. Yeah. It turns out people really liked it, which was mm-hmm. uh, kind of entertaining. And then we had our, our sort of mix of games that came in, um, you know, in the in the grab bag stuff. Mm-hmm. We actually managed to get Assassin's Creed in and oh, yeah, that's right. all those Okay, so now let's talk about our wildcard picks. So these are things that we didn't actually review in an episode, but we still played, watched, read in the last year and just think are worth mentioning. So, Steve, what's your runner-up wildcard pick? So my runner-up wildcard pick is the movie Inside Lewin Davis, which the plot is about a cat that sort of escapes. Uh, or like this guy gets this cat out accidentally and then chases it through New York and like tries to give it back to its owner. But the movie is not about a cat. <laughs> <laughs> at all Justin's, Justin's expression is directly mirroring my expression it's really the plot of the movie it's actually it is the plot of the movie it's the only real plot thread through the whole movie however it's actually about folk music in New York in the 1960s oh. uh, it's experience you know and sort oh of my the, God. The, the, the cat is a plot device okay. to sort of you know work you know sort of weave your way through this movie and so uh. the music is phenomenal I love the soundtrack I've been listening to it non-stop for like the last month yeah. the movie is basically like the soundtrack but now with people with and cats <laughs> And it's amazing. Wait, I can that's, a like it. that's a great quote. Basically, the movie poster says, basically the soundtrack with cats. 
I'll watch it. <laughs> There's a statement of people who would be very interested. <laughs> all right, Scott, what's your runner-up wild card? Uh, so something I actually hadn't mentioned at all in the show was Bioshock Infinite. And this was, it was funny because Justin and I, I think, did we, we kind of started playing around the same time earlier than year, right? Yeah, I think I pre-ordered it, so I think I got it the day it came out. I don't know if you, I think you picked it up pretty close to the same time. I think, I think so. Yeah, so the, the weird thing for me is I, I got it initially for Xbox. Mm. And just, it wasn't, I wasn't having a ton of fun trying to play first person on the controller. And then it came out for Mac. So I started playing, like started over, you know, I had to, playing out for Mac. And phenomenal, phenomenal game. Every every accolade that it's received has been earned. Uh, it's just such a, you know, I was, I was kind of thinking like, you know, between this and Beyond Two Souls, which which were both very interesting, deep games, the thing with Bioshock is just the pure quantity of material and the variety of material. You know, there's the sci-fi element, there's the turn of the century, you know, 1900s element, there's the fact that you have Elizabeth, there's the gorgeous artwork and all all these things. And it's on top of that is a really, you know, fun, like action game. All these elements somehow come together and are just greater than some of their parts. And it's just a brilliant awesome game no i mean have i've so i played the thing i played it to completion and i think you're i'm based on your description i think you're maybe like between halfway and two-thirds of the way through the game. wow <laughs> you've got a ways to go <laughs> okay the the best is all ahead of you though okay. so there's some really cool stuff coming but yeah no i i really enjoyed it for for all the same reasons i did find a couple spots where the combat was just a little too i'm not like huge on first person shooters at least not for consoles so i played it on playstation 3 and i do find the controls to be hard you mm-hmm. know for consoles like that so there were there was a few spots where the combat was really difficult, and I found myself playing the same segment over and over. I'm like, good lord, can I just skip this battle yeah. and just get to the next plot point? But yeah, overall, it is a really great game. So it definitely has deserved a lot of the attention. It's got. I, I found, yeah, I had the same problem with the controls. I found it vastly better to play on, on Mac. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and just one little thing to mention there is that even if, for all the things I mentioned for the the sort of the science part and the n- turn 1900s mm-hmm. stuff and Elizabeth, on top of all that is like sort of the the vigors. And all the fun you can have with all that, you know, the different powers you have, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is, all again, all these elements. That did, did you play the first Bioshock? I didn't, no. Yeah. So it's basically exactly the same model as the first Bioshock. So the first one, you have the plasmids? Yeah, the plasmids, yeah. Plasmids, yeah. It's the same thing. Yeah. It's kind of, it's a little shoehorned into Bioshock Infinite. But it's awesome. It's fun to play. It, it is cool. It is fun. But it's hard to reconcile with the plot. It You're seems like, a little weird. Why is it, why is it that... This character, your character, is the only one that seems to use any of them. Yeah, yeah. Like there are very few enemies that yeah, use the vigors. Yep. And it's like, well, why isn't it's like, why doesn't everybody have the big yeah. gun? They're like, why am I the only one with the big gun? <laughs> like so it's lowered. Yeah, yeah. But no, overall it's a really good game. So my runner up is another game, and it's Guacamelee, which we kind of talked about in episode two, but this is a really, really fun game that I enjoyed uh, for PlayStation 3. It's like a side scrolling beat 'em up sort of i think the technical term is metroidvania mm-hmm. where it's sort of like it's kind of an open world and as you gain more skills you can explore more of the world and it's got a um luchador slash day of the dead theme yeah. which is just great and an awesome sense of humor um a really gorgeous art style too. oh yeah it's really it's just really well done all around and so i would i would definitely recommend it especially if you like you know beat em up brawler sort of style games it's yeah definitely I, easy recommendation i love that and i think it, it's one of the sleeper hits you know because there were mm-hmm. so many big name games that came out during the year bioshock infinite being one of them mm-hmm. it would be really easy to miss it but you should not miss it. it it's really really good yeah and i just found out a little while ago it's also out for vita yeah vita, whatever the handle yeah is. yeah it's all i think i think you actually might even be able to download it on ps4 or, or it's going to be soon so oh, cool. they, they just want you to be able to buy it once and, and use it everywhere it. yeah oh, that's very cool yeah good choice okay all right, so number one wild card pick. Steve, what do you have? So my number one pick is The Signal and the Noise by Nate Silver. It's a book. It came out actually the very, very end of 2012, but I read it early this year or early 2013. <laughs> <laughs> you guys know who Nate Silver is? Mm-hmm. Sounds familiar, but I can't okay. be sure. So he's he started out like he was like a like accountant or something like that. And in his spare time, he created a model for predicting the performance of baseball players. And turned out to be wildly successful. And so he sold it and then went on like to Vegas and made a bunch of money gambling in Vegas. And then. Oh, is this, what's the 2008? Yeah, uh, his blog is 538.com. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he, during the 2008 elections, he got annoyed by all the talking heads on, on television, talk, you know, babbling about this or that, about who's going to win the election. He's like, well, let's look at the data. And so the same way he did with baseball, you know, the same way he did with gambling, he looked at the statistical looked at the data and created a model which successfully predicted the 2008 election. You know, every single state right but one. He did it again in 2012 and got every single state right, pretty much exactly right. 
you know, I loved his blog. You know, his blog was just super well written. He walked you through all the, you know, all the statistics, you know, and how he actually creates his models and stuff. And and he's really, you know, really a great writer as well. And so his book basically kind of takes that model from his his website and, and you know takes it into book form, where he basically walks you through, you know, a bunch of different um, fields and basically, you know, and obviously how you can sort of use statistical analysis to go and you know study the behaviors of those, you know, make predictions and. And also, like to, to he also really helps you, under, you know, understand when you can apply statistics and when, it makes, when it's appropriate, when it's not, and just generally like how you can think about, you know, data in the world and how you can sort of use that to in life and work, you know, inform your decisions. And it's it's you know it's it's well written, it's funny, it's you know really really easy read, um, and it's really really interesting and informative. So I highly recommend it. It's awesome. I I downloaded the sample of that book. And I mean, even just the sample was great. And so I've been meaning to pick up the full version, but hearing, hearing your recommendation, I think I definitely will. Yeah. And wasn't Silver at the New York Times for yeah. a while? And I, my understanding is they kind of squandered him while he was there. And now he's at ESPN, I think, of all places, getting back to his sports uh, statistics. Yeah, basically, he took the 538 blog and just moved it to the New York Times mm-hmm. and basically more or less ran it like it had been before. Mm-hmm. And then uh, a bunch of different publications supported him, and he basically ended up picking ESPN. And he's been, he hasn't actually really restarted 538 yet. He's been just hiring people madly. And he seems to just be sucking up all the best people in journalism to all work at, all work at his new 538, like like tons of people. Wow. So it's going to be like, it's not just going to be like one website with like, you know, a blog every week. Like sure. before it's going to be like, you know, a site with like lots and lots of content. So wow. covering both politics and sports, I think other areas as well. So I think it'll be really interesting to see what mm. he does with it. Uh-huh. Wow. That's awesome. Scott, what was your number one wild card pick? So I don't know if you this this might be kind of in left field for you guys. Have you ever heard of Legend of Korra? Heard of it. I brought a book. I brought a visual aid just in case. So, <laughs> just in case. So so I'll tell you. So while I'm handing the book around, so that somebody can take a look here. So was this a follow to Avatar? Yes, it is. Oh, okay. okay, so you actually know about that. I don't know if yeah. you've seen any of this, but so in 2005 there was a show Avatar: The Last Airbender, and it was just sort of a Nickelodeon show that showed up. And I think initially when it came on TV. It was like, oh, it's another kid's show mm-hmm. or whatever. And I didn't I didn't even really track it down until 2006, a year later, mm-hmm. when I heard about it. And the the sort of dark secret for a while is that it's actually a phenomenal good show that happens to be animated. Mm. And it, so what, what happened last year is they did, they ended the, the sort of the trilogy of seasons for the first series. Okay. So Aang was the, the primary character and they they went through three seasons and sort of ended that that series took, I think, a year off, and then they started up this new series in the same universe, but a different lead character and different supporting characters. There's some crossover. So the first season of Korra came out last year, and phenomenal show. In my mind, not everybody agrees. You know, Some people like the, the first series better. I think the second series is head and shoulders above the, the first one. And it's for so many elements. I mean, it's gorgeous. The, the art style in the second series is absolutely gorgeous. It's like an impressionistic sort of painterly effect for the backgrounds. And the chore- the martial arts choreography is stunning. And it's because they actually go and talk to expert martial artists and have them walk out what the different forms look like. And they have multiple forms within the show. You know, So it's the typical kids show, they just have kind of random martial arts happening, right? People are hitting each other or whatever. But they actually developed different styles for each of the different factions. And every this universe is so deep and it's so rich and there's so many kind of quirky elements and it's funny and tons of amazing action and the storytelling is phenomenal. And I thought it was like kind of in the weird minority, but it's it's interesting because there's every time I kind of talk about something on Twitter related to the show or, or I'm just sort of looking through, it turns out there's a lot of people watching it. I think it's it's not like a dark secret, but it's it's something that's kind of under the radar yeah. for somebody who hasn't seen it. It certainly hasn't gotten the internet attention that like My Little Pony has or something. Not, not publicly, but yeah. I think I think there might be a comparable number of people people watching. It, oh, absolutely! But, it's, but, but they're it's much quieter about much it. Much quieter about yeah. it. Yeah, and it's it's one of these things where it's. I mean, you can certainly just kind of jump into the second series and and get a lot out of it. But for the people that have actually watched it from the beginning, there's a whole another layer of stuff happening. You know, and I. Visually, I, I kind of compare it to like Studio Ghibli stuff. You oh, know, cool. it it takes that those notes, but adds on sort of the, the martial arts choreography part, yeah, which yeah, which yeah. isn't really present in the, in the Studio Ghibli stuff. Yeah. But it, it's such an amazing. I, in my mind, it, it's one of the best works of fiction on TV, animated or not. The stories are are so amazing, and and really the thing is, even if you were just to take all that stuff, I mean, that'd be a reason to watch it. But the thing I think that's really interesting and we give it lasting power over time is that. It's also sort of this weird 
subtle introduction to Eastern philosophy because hmm. there's entire episodes on and, and not just like, you know, the Chinese culture is, is a, a heavy influence, but they also have Hindu culture and they have you know, Taoism and Buddhism. We mix all these things together and kind of create something new. But those basic principles in, in Taoism and Buddhism and Hinduism, they're introduced to anybody that happens to be watching the show, which I think is super cool. They're talking about like chakras and, you know, balance between light and dark. And one of the themes of the show is that, you know, there's no evil people or good people. It's just people that are in or out of balance. So, I, I mean, I could talk about it for more than you would probably be comfortable listening to, <laughs> but it's something I've been watching, you know, since since 2006. And it's just such an amazing depth of, of stories. And I cannot recommend it enough. If you haven't watched it, I would say at least start with, it might be too much to kind of watch back to the original series, um, but I would say at least watch the first season of Korra. Cool. All right. So my number one wildcard pick is The Last of Us. So this is a PlayStation 3 game that came out this year, and it's a zombie action shooting game, which is kind of a dime a dozen, you know. <laughs> but I think the thing that makes The Last of Us so different is um, the studio it comes from. So it comes from a studio called Naughty Dog, and they're famous for a lot of things, actually. They've been around for a long time. Most recently, they're famous for the Uncharted series, which is cinematic. It's got really good acting they do a lot of motion capture mm-hmm. to like get the they get like real like stage or like tv actors are you, are you talking about uncharted right now or last of us well both okay but they, they get like real actors and put them in motion capture suits and they you know just act out all the scenes for the game so they do good voice acting good good motion capture and the stories are really i think well written i think just overall they're very cinematic games both uncharted and the last of us and so i think that's kind of what makes the last of us different than spin the wheel and get any random zombie game I think that's one of the things that just makes it really great. And, you know, it does do some sort of zombie tropes. They're not technically zombies, right? I mean... Well, they're not. I mean, they are. I mean, effectively. They are. they are. They don't call them that in the game. It's like The Walking Dead. They don't call them zombies. They call them fighters, or they call them walkers, or they call them whatever. But they're zombies. I mean, they're zombies. Yeah, I mean, overall, the game, it has a few interesting, you know, mechanics. It's got, like, a crafting sort of thing where you, like, you you scavenge for, like, you know, bits of, like oh, here's like half a pair of scissors and some tape and some alcohol and I can make like some really crappy first aid kit out of that. Which, by the way, that would be enough for MacGyver to make a whole army. <laughs> exactly, or you make a whole shotgun. So there's, a, there's an interesting part to it. So it's not just, oh, look, I just found a first aid kit. You have to like find the pieces and then build a first aid kit or you build improvements to your baseball bat. You like tape a knife to your baseball <laughs> bat and now it's a baseball bat with a knife, which is way more dangerous. So there's, there's an interesting crafting element. And then there's a couple, they, they save it for a few spots that I think makes it effective, but there's just a few a few parts in the game where they break the format a little bit. So normally the game is a, a third person, so the camera's like hovering behind the character. Mm-hmm. And Uncharted style. Yeah, it's just, it's exactly like Uncharted. And you're either shooting at things or, you know, you're solving like an environmental puzzle. Like, oh, I'm at A and I need to get to B and I need to like move this dumpster and get this ladder and maybe lay down a piece of plank and then walk across the river. But there's a couple spots in the game where that's not how you're playing it. It's like, oh, you've been, you know, you've been caught in this rope and you're swinging upside down and you have to like defend somebody else who doesn't mm. have a gun with your gun, but you're swinging upside down. So not only you're moving, but you're upside down. And you have to like try and like, it's like, you know, and they, they just do it for a little segment. But I think that's what's cool about Naughty Dog games is that they kind of, they'll, they'll get you going on this one track and then they'll break it long enough to sort of like get you out of the groove, yeah. you know? And just the story is just awesome. And it was one of those games that I like thought about it. But I was like, it was kind of like that too. But The Last of Us is one of those games where I just, I just thought about it a lot after I finished it or just like digested like, man, what did I just watch? Like that was what I just played. It was really, really cool. So I know it's I know it's not for everybody. I know that Scott wasn't really excited to play it because it's, it's pretty violent. I mean, it's not dramatically more violent than any given episode of The Walking Dead, but it is pretty violent. Well, but it's not. So the thing I think about, I, I part of me would really like to play it. Mm-hmm. I think I probably ultimately wouldn't like the experience. And it's because... Compared to Uncharted, which is sort of like Hollywood popcorn movie violence, mm-hmm. which is that nobody you don't you're not seeing the bad parts of dying, right? You're seeing the quote unquote fun parts of it, <laughs> you know, like in the sense in the sense where it's sort of like I know it's sort of a weird thing. It's like comic book violence. It's bright comic and book violence. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Versus Last of Us, which is like it's seems to be the real kind of bad violence, yeah. right? Like the violence you don't want to see. <laughs> it's yeah, it's it's up close. Yeah, it's gritty. Yeah, and strangely enough, it's noisy. Like, yeah. you can hear, like... Yeah, know, for me... That's, I, that's part of it. The sound design of, oh, wow, I could hear, like, that elbow break or something yeah. like it. So it's it can be intense. It's that, not. It's certainly not the whole game is like that, but there are definitely moments where it's like, wow, that was pretty grisly. Yeah, that, that whole thing, it's... 
you know, that that's enough of a deterrent for me mm-hmm. that and there's enough other things I want to play, you know. <laughs> that's probably enough for me to, for you to tell me what happened and I you know maybe get some some enjoyment out of that, but um yeah, there was I just remember seeing in the run up not not just the, the graphic violence, but mm-hmm. also some of the really like disturbing mutations that the the zombies mm-hmm. acquire, you know, mm-hmm. that was like eh. Maybe I'll just let Justin tell me how it was. <laughs> Maybe that'll be enough. But yeah, the, the thing I actually meant to mention with Bioshock Infinite was that in addition to just all the game elements that are really awesome, there is this whole separate thing just taken as the story. Yeah. And sort of the political message behind the story, which I haven't even finished yet, so it sounds like there's maybe more to happen there. Mm-hmm. But that, for sure, I, even though I didn't say it, that influenced my decision about one of my rep, uh, wildcard choices because yeah. there's just stuff that is just ba- boiling in the back of your mind that I know we'll, I'll continue to reference mm-hmm. When reading a book or watching a movie or even encountering real life situation in the yeah. future, the same way Papers, Please did that or Republic of Times did that. And it kind of makes you think about things in a slightly different way. And I think in the best, you know, the best thing a game can do, in, in at least one, one of these longer form games, not like sort of Angry Birds, you know, sure. but like something that's actually a deep game is actually come out the other end thinking about things differently. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's always what I want out of that kind of game, you yeah. know, and that's that's what I look forward to. There's a lot of that, actually. I think we may have touched on the political games thing, but Bioshock, the first Bioshock has a political right current like that yeah. too it's know? like I mean, it's, it's, it's different on Anne ryan's yeah basically yeah i think i mean i don't know i'm probably not gonna get the analysis exactly right but i think that one of the messages of the plot in the first bioshock is basically does completely hands-off libertarian capitalism work and i, I think that the answer that the game is trying to say is no but right. you know that's i think part of the conceit for the setting is that well there's this place where it was anything goes and you get there when it you know, it's clearly not working for right, them. Right, right, yeah. But yeah, but Bioshock Infinite totally has like that kind of thing too, where the world that they've created is based on this sort of political concept almost. And they just followed it to its conclusion where it's like, well, what if we just take this idea and just run with it and just create this whole world based on it? And it happens to be an action game where you kill a lot of people, but part of the setting is based on this like right. political concept. So, And in both cases, they took a portion of our existing real world universe mm-hmm. and sectioned it off separate from a parallel development, right? Mm-hmm. Like they, yeah, yeah. What if this country, quote unquote, was totally isolated from everybody else? In both both games, to do that. Yeah, tell you, man, you got to finish it. There's so much. You're, you're I'm actively playing it right I know, now, man. Your world's gonna be rocked by the end. We'll have a very. <laughs> there's actually there's a bunch of DLC too. So there's actually one one DLC that you can download for Bioshock Infinite, which actually mm-hmm. goes back to Rapture. Right. So it's the infinite characters in the yeah. original setting. Yes. Yeah. Which looks pretty cool. Yeah. It'll make a lot more sense when you finish. <laughs> I'm, I'm loving it already. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's fantastic. Okay, that wraps up our awards show. As always, if you have any feedback, you can email us at feedback at lowearthorbit.fm. You can also visit our website at lowearthorbit.fm where you'll find our show notes. It's where we link to basically everything we talk to over the course of the show. And you can also follow us on Twitter at lowearthshow. Thanks for listening. I only got about this tie, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually surprised. So you guys, I don't know if you guys would like this, actually. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, a friend of mine in Missouri tried to get me into Avatar, and I watched the first two or three episodes, and I was it's like, not enough. Yeah. I don't know if this is, is yeah. my So thing. The, the trick is, and there's there's absolutely no way around it. I mean, it's just the, the fact of what it is, because I think they're still figuring out what they wanted to do. Yeah. But it's not until episode six that it gets to be beyond a kid's show. Oh, okay, because it definitely had a kid's show vibe. Yeah. yeah. Once it gets to six, and I mean, it, it really, it, it kind of has this like, you know, I don't geometric ramp up so it, it's it's kind of going 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 and then all of a sudden it like launches at the end of the first season and then the next two seasons are amazing oh, wow. how many episodes um, are in each season it, they were that was back when they were doing 20 or so wow. there's 13 per for this one so like the new the new format yeah. um but i think these are far and way better i mean there's no ramp up required it's just fantastic yes. um yeah and I, it's one of those things where you know like you, you've seen movies or shows and you're like oh yeah i like that and you go away from it for a while like, yeah, I guess I should check that out again. You watch again. It's like, oh, my God, this is amazing. I totally forgot how amazing this is. You know? Man, sometimes I feel like I have the opposite reaction. Really? Yeah. Well, I mean, not all the time. Sometimes it's like that. Sometimes it'll be like, oh, man, I really liked whatever it was. And go back and watch it. And I'm like, oh, my God, did I really like this as much as I thought? That but, I like, did? didn't you with Kerbal? Wasn't that like that? Like, you were like, ah, I don't really know if I like that. And you went back and played it. And you really liked it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying that. Like but I'm saying that, like. That's the exception that proves the rule. Oh, okay, like yeah. you know, I feel like there's a lot of things that like I really enjoyed them, like in say high school. Yeah, and I go back and oh, I, like, rewatch well, yeah. them or re whatever. Yeah. I'm like, wow, I'm actually not sure that I really should like <laughs> tell people yeah. how much I like this because I actually don't think I do anymore. So, yeah, I just thought. I mean, if, if the the one thing I always want to mention with this show is that even if you don't, you're not into the 
the meat of the show. Mm-hmm. I just think it's so cool that they would be willing to take on something like Hinduism in the middle of a kid's, you know, what is essentially a kid's show. Obviously, it's more than that. But right. I, just, I think it's such a cool thing. It's like Taoism. Yeah, like, when does that ever... There's never been, like, a Transformers episode where they include Taoism, right? I mean, you ever read the Tao of Pooh? Or, <laughs> or is it Tao of Piglet? Which one is it? I think it's Pooh. Yeah. Isn't it? I don't know. I can't remember. There's one for Pooh and one... Maybe it's, like, the... It's the Zen of one and the Tao of the other. I don't remember. They've managed to shoehorn both of those characters into some kind of Eastern philosophy book. Yeah. <laughs> I've read one of them. But the... So, the, the real quick thing is, like, for example, what they do is with the... They have this cycle of regeneration the same way that like the dalai lama you know mm. they have regeneration so they take certain elements like in real life when they're trying to find the next dalai lama they'll like bring mm-hmm. objects that belong to to his previous lives and, right. and lay it out in front of him so they do that in the show yeah. you know they say that's cool you know which which of these toys are yours in, in the show they're doing this and yeah. so they even the, the main characters are based like tenzin tenzin mm-hmm. gyatso sure is the actual dalai lama now i, I think it's super cool no it is really cool i think it's a cool it's a cool real life sort of like thing the way they pick a dialogue. You know, it's, it's awesome. It's actually pretty yeah. neat. It sounds like really is that it? That yeah. sounds like this can't possibly be true. That's so cool. It's yeah. way too cool to be true. They actually like, I saw a movie. It was out like 15, 10 years ago called I think Kundun. I don't know how to say it. <laughs> K U N D U N. Okay, and it's basically a, a loose biography of the Dalai Lama. I mean, it's like dramatization sure. of, of a heartfelt dramatization. Of, <laughs> what was what was your thing now? What is it? It's it's a, uh, a charming and, dystopia. And, no, no, endearing, 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 endearing dystopian future. Nice. Yes. That's awesome. I'm all about I love that. <laughs> <laughs> what other uh, works would you say have endearing dystopian futures? Uh, I would say that Infinite Jest has one of the more endearing dystopian futures. Mm-hmm. I can't really bring myself to read Infinite Jest. It just seems too much. <laughs> it is a lot. Yeah. It's not as bad as it the Necromonicon actually... or whatever. What? What's the, the new Necromonicon? Cryptonomicon? Yeah. Did they just make up a book, by the way? Isn't that a different one? The Necronomicon? That's a real thing. The the Book of the Dead? Yeah, Yeah, that's a thing. But yeah, the one that's like 1,000, no, 4,444 pages. Oh, in the iBooks version of it. The much more reasonable, what, 4,000 pages (laughs) in paper? (laughs) It's actually not as long. It's actually only like, probably like less than half as long as it can just. Infinite oh, Jest is it like huge? Like part God. of the, it's like running a marathon. Like people do it just because it's big. I don't think. I mean, what's one I, piece? I think it is relatively celebrated as a literary work. But I think it's mostly just an endurance test, isn't it? Like, it, it, it is. I, I think it, it deserves its celebration as a literary work. Okay. I, I mean, I I would not recommend reading it just was just long. I mean, there's plenty of like if you want to read just long, read the word piece. But I mean, Infinite Jest is actually a good book. It's just, I mean. Do you get stuck in a tree at any part point? Of it, part of its brilliance is the, is its length, because it's basically like a whole long series of stories, stories which are actually like all interconnected. But like you'll pick up, you'll read like a little bit of one, you know, and then on page 100, another bit more on like page 1100. Oh, and it will, and it will they'll, and they'll, I mean, it'll be the same characters, but they've like, you know, you know, just, you know, they've they ended up in such a situation over here, and now they're basically part of the story again, you know. And, mm. and then to take that times like dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of storylines. Wow. And you kind of need this length to really appreciate the sort of this whole like this tapestry. Yeah, and, yeah. And, 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 then, and like like probably I don't know like an eighth of the book is just footnotes. With eighth footnotes, there are also like whole storylines that pick up across <laughs> to footnotes and tie back to the regular story. And it's like it, it takes basically footnoting, to, you know, and elevates that as a like you know narrative device. Wow. So is this like? Is this just like a? bigger batter version of not not batters and like worse but batters and like meaner like version of cloud atlas like is that um i mean it, it there's elements that are similar i mean i mean they both rely upon the like actual structure of the novel heavily for like for their gimmicks yeah. you know um you know it's a very it, it's it doesn't like attempt to be profound in the way that cloud atlas is yeah. you know i would say but it but it it ties to I me mean, more to evoke a world and maybe you know a, an out maybe an outlook on the world yeah. more than it does you know like i don't know i don't remember when i read cloud atlas. yeah i read cloud atlas like when it first came out i'm trying to i'm, trying to, I'm, I'm actually kind of figuring out a little bit of cloud atlas too i think cloud atlas felt, felt so much more compact yeah but cloud atlas has its own gimmicks i mean i don't know it was okay I haven't seen the movie yet. I'm not sure yeah. if I care to or not. I've heard, I mean, they, I've heard they dramatically restructured it for the movie. Yeah, they I mean, would have the, to. the whole gimmick for the book isn't in the movie, which I, I don't like. What's the point of the movie then? Oh, that's yeah. What is the point? Yeah, and, right. yeah. yeah so, weird. but I mean, like, either way, but I mean, 
whether their philosophy, I mean, their regardless of what their goals are, their the uh, in both cases the structure of the book is you know part of the reason for it being celebrated. Right. You know, I mean, if it's just just like a linear simple storyline that was that long, it would no one would like it. Got it. So it's you actually know? the way that yeah. it's written. Yeah, it, it, I mean, because it's all this mixed up, scrambled, mostly built out of footnotes, crazy thing. That that you know w- w- you know that makes it so genius. So do you like? Do you need to read it with like a notepad to like keep track of like? All so the so they, they they sell compendiums or I mean, I mean, <laughs> like you know, companions. companion guides, which I, I which second is screen super useful because you'll be like reading this and like oh my god I I remember this I, this name is familiar where did I see them before it's awesome. and they're like oh no, no no they were in the helicopter crash they were the news crew over here and wow you know and oh of course and then <laughs> like oh my god because <laughs> you need that there's just so much detail you know I'm you not sure that you're selling and, me on reading this right now. <laughs> It's, you need you need a book for the book. You do need a book for the book. So basically, you end up like basically you need like three like um, basically bookmarks. You need one for where you're at in like the main sort of storyline, yeah. one for where you're at in the footnotes, and one for where you're at in the companion guide. Wow. So you can keep track of you can you know all the cross referencing and stuff. How long is it compared? Is it longer than the stand? Oh yeah, like a lot longer. Yeah. <laughs> that seems space when it means dramatically longer. <laughs> I have to place the more really quiet digest than any other book I've ever read. <laughs> oh my god. By a significant margin. I wonder if it's longer than the collected Dark Tower. I don't think it's that long. That's pretty long. Yeah, that seems really long. I mean, I have because I, I feel like I started Dark Tower, I'm going to read the whole thing. But no. I'm this close away from, as far away from doing it because, like, the Gunslinger is on my bookshelf. It's uh, like, you know, begging to be read. But then I, then I just think about, like, I, I saw someone else, else's bookshelf, the entire, you know, Dark Tower series, and I was like... That's a lot of pages. <laughs> not ready if I'm ready to, not really sure if I'm ready to embark upon that yet. Does, does that include, you know, book 4.5? Yeah. I don't even think that even did, so that's even wow. more. And who knows, by the time I get to the end, maybe he's inserted more books in the middle. <laughs> and You could, you, you could almost, I think, read 4.5 on its own. Because it's not, I mean, it's slightly spoilerish for like the first... Four books, but not so spoilers that you would like, ruin the fun. I wouldn't. Well, I don't know. I, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do anything out of order. Yeah, I, I would start. I'm all. But would, would, you, but would you? Would you read it? Would you read it in the order it was published, or the order they occur in the plot line? Is, it, is this is this the like the Chronicles of Narnia question? Yes. No, well, it's like I mean the Hobbit, right? I mean, like the movies. If you hadn't seen the movies, like you were seen the Lord of the Rings first before the Hobbits came out. Or actually, it's exactly the case, right? Wait, what? How it was written? First. No, no, no. But you've seen. You said you didn't want to see the the second Hobbit movie because you hadn't seen the first one. But you would have seen. You have seen all the Lord of the Rings movies, right? The first, uh-huh. whatever they are. The, the main. Well, I mean, ones. I mean, with, with prequels, there's like, I mean, which is basically right. how the. So if you think the, of the movies separate from the books. The Hobbit is basically a prequel, you know. Yeah. But um, I mean, that, that's that's all. I mean, you can't help it in that case. But yeah. and, and it's designed to be watched after you know afterwards because the other ones came first. By the way, the, the, the oh sorry. But he's saying, which order like, do you want so, to read them in publishing? So, yeah, yeah. so, would you read four point five between four and five, or would you read it after the end? I feel like I would. I would go on the internet and I would like <laughs> read the long arguments between all you know the people who are like really into it about which order I should, should watch, read it in, and yeah. then whatever the consensus was, or the people who seem more sane, mm-hmm. I will side with them and read it where they recommend. <laughs> nice, that's awesome. So they, there's actually preparation of reading prior to the actual reading beginning. So, so I, I, did for, I, did, I did for all, all my books, you really? know, like, like for Infinite Jest, I read how I should read Infinite Jest. I researched it heavily ahead of time, and then I read this it. This is like comic books, too. You like, know, and, you know, honestly, one of the hardest parts about getting started reading The Dark Tower is just figuring out what order to read the books in, because, like, they're not numbered. <laughs> oh, really? No, like, I was, it took me a long time. Like, I had to go to, like... I had to go to the Wikipedia page, but it's hard to like cause Wikipedia page is spoilers too. So it's like uh, it's hard to. I like, hate that. Yeah, I just like I've, I've gone there for Wikipedia page for other things too, and then like on the first sentence without even like trying to read it, my eye just like somehow sees it and then like it's spoiled. Yeah, it's like ah, oh, come on. Yeah, it's spoiler free Wikipedia. I can I can if you if you become equally confused about what order to read them, I can jot you down the titles. But okay, it was not clear to me what order to read them. Because <laughs> it's not like Dark Tower one, Dark Tower two, Dark Tower three. It's like and the last book is called The Dark Tower. Which is like, shouldn't that kind of be the first book? Like, it's like bands that like name their album after themselves for like their third album. Yes. Like really? <laughs> like, what about, doesn't hasn't Weezer always named their albums? Like all their albums are just called Weezer. Yeah. yeah. By Weezer. But at least they have colors. Right. Like, so oh, it's, it's the like, green oh, album yeah, or the white yeah. album or the yeah. whatever. Yeah. I've heard some crazy things about that. I forget the guy's name. The lead guy. What's his name? Um, anyway, he, I heard some story like he writes five songs a day every single day. Wow. Which I don't know if he's still doing that, but he certainly isn't a lot of material. Yes, yeah, so Rivers Kumo. Yeah, Cuomo. 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 
probably. I don't know. There's some Alfonso Cuaron. <laughs> I still love going back in the, the Gravity episode. You probably didn't listen to the outtakes on that. But it was really funny because you were playing the pronunciation of Cuaron. Oh, okay. So we're like Cuaron. And then the guy real close, it's like Cuaron. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, actually, I, I, I forgot to say it during the episode, but like for the, we're talking about her. I feel like at the end of her, it felt like watching a really good, really high production value episode of Next Generation. The whole movie or just yeah, the ending? Yeah, the whole movie. Yeah. I feel like it had those, you know, like, let's let's present, you know, some moral quandaries and some really high concept sci-fi to, as a way of getting back to a question that's actually about, you know, 20th century American hmm. society and Earth. It's interesting. I, I Have can not see seen that. a lot of the next generation? I can't <laughs> argue. I don't think they would ever do that much touchy-feely stuff. No, that's true. Uh, for everything, everything else, yes, I yeah. agree. Yeah, everything else for sure. Yeah, because yeah. the one I'm thinking of is like when they did the the episode with Picard when he like has that whole life. Yeah, yeah. In the span yeah. of yeah. whatever, which is a great episode. I love. Yeah, it. I love really, that really stuff. Good. Yeah, but it's that kind of thing that it evokes. You know. Yeah. Like, um, what what would this mean? You know, like how would the, what's the actual implications yeah. of this? Yeah. In, in many ways, this was a better way of doing a lot of the data romance plots that they tried to do and yeah. always failed to do. This was this is like actual successful version of that. I love Data's whole thing with like his cats and like his... I love his I love I, the favorite part about his cats. And I have lots of favorite things about his cats, but <laughs> or his cat he just has one cat. Oh my God. But my favorite thing about his cat it's a recurring thing yeah. <laughs> is that it's new spot. I know. But it's striped. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's missing the forest for the trees. Is like this whole thing. It's awesome. I know. The, and the, yeah, all. The, yeah, God. Is that it's, like? Is that like? Having not seen like basically any Star Trek, like is that Data's thing? Is that he just like gets basic things wrong, like because he doesn't really understand how people work? Or well, like... he he gets the he misses all the subtleties of it, oh, right? Okay. So he's like he reads that people have cats and that people have pets named Spot, but he doesn't understand why <laughs> well, no, no, just like, oh spot yeah that's the thing you know and somebody has to be like Funny. yeah but there's a lot of like missed almost almost correct moments with data whereas the the sherlock holmes thing i think is still one of the best yeah that was really good which there has now i still haven't seen sherlock well did you see sherlock any, any do you see that many have you returns episode no is, is, is it a new back? series of sherlock on no well, no but but there's the there's a i think they're calling it a prequel or prologue or something like that, basically to this, to this new season. I've not seen it. It's called Many Happy Returns. You Google for or it's like on YouTube, um, and it's basically a little mini. Yep. You're gonna have to watch that tonight. <laughs> That's gonna happen. You have to. You have to watch it. It's good. <laughs> awesome. I uh, the only reason I haven't watched it so far is uh, I was watching Elementary. It was just too much. Sure yeah, it just feels like you know. I just sure, like, like I have the episode of Elementary still, but then you know to watch. But I, I just oh. feel like. And I have I I thought we need, need to watch one. So I'll watch. God, does, does this ever work though? So what? What was it? Oh no, I did get you to watch it first. New Groove. I did watch it. And what did I? I watched Muppets. Muppets. Yeah. yeah. Um, but maybe it, we it, shouldn't it attempt sort of, to. It must be sort of hard for me to endorse Kerbal. I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I, yeah, I understand I, it with the minority. I mean, I, mean, like, I, mean, I, res- yeah. I It's one of the things. Like, yeah, I respect that it exists, <laughs> but I did not have fun playing it. Yeah. And I don't think I ever have fun playing it. I don't think everyone would have fun playing it. <laughs> <laughs> I personally had a lot. Kind of by design, right? I mean, like they don't. It's not a mainstream game. It's not. And they're not really very apologetic about it either, which is cool. No, yeah, it's fine. I, yeah. I, I think it's great that it exists, and I'm yeah. happy that people like playing it, and it's there. You may like the future just, version. <laughs> you never know. Yeah. If you like... a, speaking speaking of future versions, or like just weird stuff, have you, did you read about any of the mods that there are for Kerbal? No. So there's one called Mech Jeb, like Mechanical Jeb, like Jebediah as being one of the astronauts that's in the game. Oh, okay. Um, apparently, it will do like most of the piloting for you. Like you build the ship. And, like, you know, you do the little maneuver mm-hmm. nodes to, like, do whatever. And the ship will just do those for you, like, on autopilot. Oh, man. I should make <laughs> Yeah. So, I'm like, eh. Mm-hmm. This greatly improved. <laughs> yeah. You may still me. have to do the initial liftoff. But I think once you're in orbit, you can basically just plan out the route and the ship will just fly it for you. By the way, one of the best, listening to that, that the original Kerbal episode again, one of the best uh, stories that you told was like how you were trying to launch your rocket off the pad and it was just billowing smoke and nothing happened nothing happened you hit space and then your command module popped off the top and hit the... <laughs> and you heard it, i've heard it four times it's funny every single time i'm just imagining that parachute comes down that's awesome man when i was it was, playing... it was exceedingly anticlimactic <laughs> <laughs> the poor little kerbal guy's probably like i made it like, no, 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 no. Sorry. Now, I was playing over the break and I had a couple spectacular accidents. Like that. I had one where um, 
had like seven rockets on the first stage at the bottom, and they weren't exactly all strapped on very tightly. <laughs> and so I hit the space button to ignite them all, and they just flew off in different directions. <laughs> They had like another, they had another one was trying to lift off like an entire segment of like a space station. So this thing's really huge, really heavy. And I guess the joints that I used couldn't handle just the sheer mass. And so before I even touched anything, the whole thing just kind of goes <laughs> and just breaks. <laughs> it just breaks right in half and falls over <laughs> and then explodes. <laughs> like, wow. It's <laughs> pretty rough. Yeah, we enter the wild card segment. Yeah, okay. I feel like the lights should come down. Like, <laughs> By the way, are we all wearing bow ties? Like, <laughs> we're wearing bow ties, right? That's the magic of radio. So we can all be wearing bow ties. Theater of the mind. You won't know. <laughs> it's the theater of the mind. That's right. Dan Benjamin would be so proud. Right, wild cards. Okay, so now we'll talk about the. That sounds terrible. <clears throat> okay, you ready to do the show? Yeah, the real show. The real show. The real thing. We'll come up with some sort of fancy awards music to play in front. <laughs> should, should we do that instead of... Well, no, we should do it right before you say... Yeah. After the bumper, before you... Okay. I'll let you, I'll let you sort that out. <laughs> Are these the 2013 Orbeez or the 2014 I, I was going to say 2013 when we were going to do it like at the end of the year. But I think we should do it Oscar style, Oscar style where we say 2014 because nobody wants to hear 2013 anymore. <laughs> like it's, it's like a bad word now. It's fine. I mean, I don't have a strong preference. I'm always confused because you know half of the half of the awards do one year, half of the awards the other year. It's like it's like fiscal years, you know. Certain <laughs> point you just figure out, well, or this is the one we're on right now, so the next one will be that plus one, regardless right. of the actual you know temporal association with the, <laughs> when it's released. Nice temporal association sounds like it should be in the next sci-fi movie. Well, we We've lost one. temporal association. <laughs> I think we actually had no bloopers that time. Hardly any. We had a few spots where we had to take like an editing timeout. Yeah, so. but no, like somebody screwing up in a really fundamental way. Which is <laughs> <laughs> incredible. I think that's we've made it. We're professionals now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we'll Do you feel different? That, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so this is what it feels like to do everything right. Wow, that's so confusing. Wow. Okay, so yeah, so this is gonna be episode twenty-seven. This is the twenty fourteen. Orbeez award show. I feel, like I, have, I feel like I have to clarify that it's the award show because Laura's like, is Orbeez a game? <laughs> is that a thing? And it's like, yeah, it took me a while too. I think that's I think that's the phrase for the awards. <laughs> we don't have to do that. I just thought it was funny. Yeah. I mean, the 2014 Orbeez. I, 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 I like the sound of yeah. it. So, okay. Because then, it, see, the great thing is if we can actually get to a place where we all agree, you can say, oh, that won the Orby that year. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> do we need to, like, make up a seal and, like, offer it to the... Was- I will totally do that. <laughs> uh, That's awesome.